end of the line. Episode 14, Sean. People keep asking me, can you remember the first time you two met? And I keep thinking this is such a stupid question. (laughs) Terry is the love of my life, of course I can remember. I don't say that out loud, though. And I know really all they're doing is trying to fill the awkward silences, although they're only awkward for them. I'm absolutely fine with a bit of quiet. So it was 1980, June the 15th, 1980. I was 19. He'd just turned 21 and was so handsome. But my God, did he know it. I was still punking it up with an actual safety pin pushed through my ear, which was totally disgusting, but brought us together because he saunters over and says, your ear's bleeding, love. (laughs) First thing he ever said to me. Romantic, eh? He pulled that manky bit of metal out of my lug hole, as he would call it, dabbed on a bit of TCP and laughed his head off when I screamed it was stinging. But then he held a tissue to it until the bleeding stopped. I could have done that myself, so... He obviously just wanted to keep me chatting. And that was that. Together ever since. In love. In love with each other. In love with our life together. We never spent a night apart in nearly 40 years. No kids, no pets, no working away, no infidelities. No, we need a break. Just... Me and Terry. Until last week. Last Tuesday at 3.34am, when he finally passed away. He got ill. He got better, he got ill again. And I had to watch the man I love simply fade away. I was able to say goodbye, but now it's just me. We chose not to have children, and it was a choice we made together. I have to remember that. I'm in that in-between days bit of losing someone, you know, the bit before the funeral where people fuss and try to help, but they don't really know what to say, and we get these awkward silences. I've had so many messages and lovely cards and beautiful flowers. One night last week, I even had a piping hot home-cooked lasagna appear on the doorstep. That was Jane down the street. She's so sweet. Trouble is, I hate lasagna. Trouble is, Terry loved it. But he wasn't around to enjoy it. So I threw it on the kitchen floor and smashed the entire dish. It felt good. And it did take my mind off the obvious for ten minutes as I scraped up pasta sheets and cheese sauce. But it was a Le Creuset dish, so it's going to cost me a fortune to replace. I am I am so grateful for my good friends and my thoughtful neighbours. I've, I've got some kind colleagues and so many family, nieces and nephews galore, both from my side and Terry's. I've just got no children of my own. They say it's better to regret something you have done than something you haven't, but that doesn't apply here, does it? 
Terry and I made the decision not to have children pretty early on in our relationship. In fact, he'd had a vasectomy by the time he turned 23. We also made the decision together, which some people could never understand. For some people, it always seemed to be too much to accept that in our healthy and successful and committed relationship, we'd deliberately chosen not to have kids. I used to try and justify it to people that, quite frankly, had no business asking me about it. Terry would go mad. Tell them to mind their own sodding business, he'd say. Sodding was about as far as his swearing went. Although it was easier for him because men hardly get asked questions like, when are you having kids then? Then, once we reached a certain age, I suppose people just stopped asking. Stopped being nosy. But I've got a feeling people are going to start asking me again why we didn't have kids. And I really don't want to answer. I mean, why should I? I know when it started. Sandra from Two Doors Down was here, supposedly offering me moral support, when really I knew she just wanted to check out the conservatory we'd done last summer. I overheard her telling my friend Kate that not only did she not like the bifold doors we'd chosen, but also assuming that I must really regret not having kids. And do you know why? Because now Terry's gone, I've been left all alone. <coughs> all alone? <laughs> How does that even work? Since the moment he died, I've had a house full of people. And when I heard her whispering that, not quietly enough, my nephew Stephen was mowing the lawn, my brother was making the teas, the coffees, and basically just a mess in the kitchen, and Jane was looking for her lasagna dish. I don't feel alone because I'm not alone in the slightest. What I should have done was burst into the conservatory and ask Sandra if she feels alone, being as she hasn't spoken to her son after an argument four Christmases ago that the whole street could hear. Surely we all know by now that family is what you make it. And we certainly made ours, Terry and I. And it was the best we travelled the world together, we worked hard, we earned our money, and then we spent it on each other, or the things that made us happy together. We were a family. And then our family extended out to the people we valued most, the people who've been by my side every step of the way since I felt his hand go cold in mine. Maybe tonight it all seems worse because I'm in the bathroom holding his rotten old hairbrush like it's a precious find. But I've just realised that's all that physically remains of him now. Some tufts of grey hair. Because there's no son that looks the spit of him when he was young. There's no daughter that has his sparkly blue eyes. No legacy, no future generation. Nothing passed on down the line. Me and Terry. And now it's just me. Christ, he'd go mad if he heard me talking like this. I'm so sorry, my love. For a start, he'd say, it's silver, not grey hair. <laughs> Smooth bugger. But letting Sandra of all people upset me. I know. What am I thinking? Terry's niece, Maddie, is coming tomorrow to help me put some bits down on paper for the eulogy. She's good with words. And she says, I've got to say things that celebrate our life together. 
and you know what, she's so right. We got to plan every stage of our life together because it was always just about me and him. We didn't have to worry about anyone else, and it, it was glorious. We even planned his funeral together. Not everyone gets to do that. So it will, it will be a celebration of Terry's life and our life together, because that's what he wanted. That's what I want. Terry didn't complete me or make me whole. I've never been half a person. I was a whole person when I met him. A whole person with a hole in her ear. We just didn't want children. We just wanted each other. We were always enough. Just me and him. I can't miss something I've never had, so I don't miss having kids. So all I can do is miss my Terry with all that I am. Tell Sandra or anyone who wants to comment on us choosing to not have kids to fuck right off. You say this is the end of the line. Didn't you know? Sean was played by Dame Harriet Walter. The episode was written by Helen Cattle and directed by Mark Haywood. Casting by Sydney Aldridge. Production support by Lynn McConway. Music by Daisy Chute and Kerry Ann from The Herd Collective. The episode was recorded at The Sound Company in London and edited by Pocket Blockbuster. The End of the Line is an Ink Jockey production. But this is not the end of my line Didn't you know that I'm the one with the time It's not the end of the